opposing the, the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised that that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. We know who the hard left are in the you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalisation without compensation to hard left wing position, hard left, the hard left, the hard left. After the first verse of Let's Impeach the President, a growing chorus of boos was answered by an equally rousing round of cheers. When it appeared to be a draw, the most passionate voted with their feet and voices. This whole concert was great until that son of a bitch got that song just now on there. He can suck my dick, son of a bitch. I'd like to knock his fucking teeth out. That's what I'd like to do because he's a stupid son of a bitch. I'm pretty sure about one half the soldiers that died in Iraq at this point are from the South. See, don't come to the South playing this kind of stuff and spring it on somebody. You know, I love music, and I love old Neil Young music, but if you've never been shot at or never had to shoot at somebody, you have no right to blame the government, because they're, they're smarter people up there, and you may not realize it, but they're, they're smarter than America. and music on stage made it impossible for the band to see or hear the full extent of what was going on with the audience, other than this was not like any of the previous shows. Pretty good, you know, I thought it went good. We had a, had a, you know, a lot more booze than we usually have, but maybe not any more than, than Irvine. Okay. And, uh, of course, it was inside, so it echoed, and we gave him a big mic. That was cool. Everybody who liked it get make a lot of noise. Everybody who hated it, okay. I got to go. Growing security concerns, bad weather, and the continuing airport delays forced a quick departure from Atlanta on a chartered jet. 
Cosby Stills, Nash and Young, awesome show. It's been great. Thanks for all the protests. Go to the quad. Tell somebody else about it. It was a little political. And also in that time, Neil began what had become quite a long collaboration with Jonathan Demme. Mm. It was 1994, the album that you mentioned, Sleeps With Angels, came out. And that's a beautiful, dark record. Shows the horse in a real understated mode that you don't mm. often get from them. Shows what a versatile band they are, from the energy of Russ Never Sleeps or Weld to the sludge of Broken Arrow mm. to the haunting beauty of Sleeps of Angels, you know. Mm. They're not just like a one-trick pony, if eh? you will. Eh? <laughs> but they didn't tour Sleeps of Angels. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an emotionally heavy album. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a song about, well, it's called Drive By. Mm. It just sounds like it's about like some little girl getting murdered. Mm. There's a song called Sleeps of Angels that was edited down from like a 20-minute jam, I Want to Hear the Full Thing. That's but a really deep song as well. That is obviously about Kurt Cobain, mm. who quoted Neil Young in his suicide note. I was trying to call him because I'd read something he said that he couldn't keep it real, and I just wanted to tell him, listen, you don't have to do anything. Anybody tells you to do, just stop playing, cancel all your... and don't do anything. I had a whole thing I was going to tell him, but I never got a chance. Around a dark album. Yeah. I, I love. Well, it's got a piece of crap on it. It's got a piece of crap. Piece of crap actually is like I'm not even. It obviously it's a self-consciously insubstantial song, but piece of crap really stands out on the album. It just jumps out. You know where it feels like it's mixed different. <laughs> yeah, 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 It's yeah. mastered louder or something. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a discordant addition to the record. There's a great song on Sleeps of Angels called Trans Am. It's just, it just has the funniest, like, redneck line at the start, which is like, Seth said, go get the plow out, Merle. Or something. <laughs> go, uh, what is that? Neil, uh, I just, just cracks me up so much. Neil Young trans am. Uh, Oh, a Dirty Old Man of Chrome Dreams 2, yeah. yeah. Which has an accompanying movie, actually. Does it? I haven't Um, seen that. Yeah, look, it's just, yeah. Seth said, go get the plow out, Merle. It just really (laughs) cracks me up for some reason. Maybe it's the way, it's the kind of talk-singy way Neil delivers it. The wagons in the valley had pulled up for the night. Seth said, go get the plow out, Merle. This place looks just right. Like uh, Tired Eyes or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a lot of stuff on Peace Trail. I love that album. Around that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they didn't tour that album. Maybe feeling it would be a bit heavy. So they did a bit like, uh, they did some farm aid stuff. And they also did oh, some great Crazy Horse acoustic sets at the Bridge School Benefits that year, which mm-hmm. is the school that Neil and his late ex-wife Peggy set up for disabled kids because obviously their son Ben is severely disabled with Mm -hmm. cerebral palsy he's wheelchair bound non-verbally communicative 
and so they set up a school for disabled kids like him. I think the bridge school is specifically tasked with helping kids with communicative difficulties, Mm -hmm. um, well, communicate with people better. Neil basically almost every year has done the bridge school benefit show and the crazy horse acoustic sets they did for the bridge school in 94 were really great Mm. anyway they also did this thing called a short film directed by jonathan deme who at that point would would have been riding high on silence of the lambs in philadelphia wow also neil 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 composed well actually there's this really interesting story you can hear jonathan deme talk about it which was that he'd done philadelphia and that was kind of like a big movie in making the AIDS crisis a palatable subject for a straight audience. For sure, yeah. yeah. So he said that he wanted a song that was kind of like rocking the free world in its mm-hmm. feel. That's kind of like, fuck yeah, it's cool to be gay! Like, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like that. That sort of fist-pumping feel. And then Neil just submitted him. It may have been the other way around in terms of these two artists, by the way. But then Neil submitted him this beautiful star piano ballad. Sometimes I think that I know what love's all about And when I see This really, really bleak ballad as well. Streets of Philadelphia. Lovely, lovely, very like sad, beautiful song. Yeah. I was bruised and battered. I couldn't tell what I felt. I was unrecognizable to myself. I saw my reflection in a window and didn't know my own face. So, oh, brother, are you gonna leave me wasting away? Streets of Philadelphia. But anyway, Deme and Neil obviously got along because mm. they've worked together many times after that. And the first time subsequently to Philadelphia was on the Complex Sessions. Um, I've not heard about this until you told me about it. Yeah. Oh, incidentally, my interpretation of Jonathan Deme's desire for the song to be like, it's cool to be gay, is like what he said in an interview, <laughs> rather than just my own interpretation. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they did the Complex Sessions, and so you've got like a long, well, Change Your Mind is like almost 15 minutes long on Sleeps of Angels. There's a equally long version of that, and I think My Heart, the very yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. song that opens Sleeps of Angels and stuff. I don't know if I've actually seen it. I've definitely heard the recordings. It wouldn't be on archives, though. No, I don't... Probably not. I don't think so, because, I mean, I think there's other distributors involved with the Deme films. Mm. They're not just Neil's company. They're actual films, in a way. 
<laughs> a proper film it's made by proper film yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well yeah I mean it's, uh, it's kind of harsh to Neil to say that really it's definitely true though I'm, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid to say and then in the interim between these the next film that we can sort of properly talk about there's a couple of concert movies there is Silver and Gold, which is from Neil's 1999 solo tour, predating by a year the Silver and Gold album. Oh, that's before the album. Yeah. Mm. So this features, obviously, a lot of songs from Silver and Gold and from the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album, looking forward from around that time. No Razor Love, though. No, not not the best song on that record. The Razor Love is an outtake from the 80s. Is it? Repurposed um, for Neil. Yeah, and actually Crazy Horse played Razor Love on the 97 tour. This podcast is fire, man. <laughs> giving them so much game. Yeah, yeah. They're going to know some deep shit. But this was, I believe, directed by L.A. Johnson. Okay. Neil's number one man at Shaky Pictures. Mm. I think chief archivist for Neil until his death in 2010. Incidentally, there's a song about L.A. Johnson that didn't make the cut on Le Noise, but it actually appears in Jonathan Demme's film Neil Young Journeys called You Never Call. Okay. And that's written about L.A. Johnson's death and got lines like, you're in heaven with nothing to do, the ultimate vacation with no back pain. nothing to do the ultimate vacation with no back pain and all we do is work 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 you're on vacation we're working Neil's kind of prosaic lyrics. I love the lyrics on the noise. Yeah, and what I wonder is if Daniel Lanois suggested that Neil cut that song from the noise because it it might break up different the, texture. Or yeah, it might break up the mood yeah. by just being too personal. The rather, heartfelt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Hitchhiker is incredibly personal yeah. actually, but I mean, the noise is it feels mostly more universal. And then there's also directed by L. A. Johnson. This. Red Rocks Live that show. That is so good. Better than the live album, because it's got more stuff on it. Oh, okay, I haven't heard that, but I know when he comes out and plays Mellow in My Mind in the rain on the encore, that is just oh, amazing. Great, yeah, so there's some deep cuts in this set list. Yeah. I think my issue with... I Red... believe in you. Oh, what, what a tune. One my issue with the Red Rocks show is that his... Um, his band are too professional. <laughs> One of them ones. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, not to disparage Jim Keltner, Spooner Oldham, and Donald Duck Dunn, who are, like, literally some of the <laughs> greatest players in rock and roll or any other type of music. For sure. 
Donald Duck Dunn's in the Blues Brothers band and shit, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, that well, iconic. Like, yeah, it's just that Neil Young's songs don't necessarily benefit from having the best players on them. Right, okay, yeah. So, You've got to be on the same level, but you can't be too good. Yeah, there's an 18 minute version of Cowgirl in the Sand on this. <laughs> I just feel like Jim Keltner's drums on it are way too busy. Okay. He's not just doing the shitty ing. Can't beat that drum beat though. Ralph Molina is is the perfect drummer for me. And I felt like again a bit with the promise of for real having the bongo guy they kind of muddy the drum sound a little bit too much because neil there's only bongos on trans isn't there yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a bit of bongos on on the beach actually. oh yeah of course so yeah. so yeah but yeah, whenever sure. they dig out and on the beach jam it's uh, the bongo stick. i don't remember any bongos on old man though <laughs> on love and only yeah. love i i do feel the guy is a little superfluous to be honest there is one other thing your bongo guy he sucks ass. You need a shit hot bongista. And I think I know where to find one. You get me? But basically, like, I just like a very simple boom thwack yeah. when it comes to Neil Young music. But yeah, let's leave Spooner and Jim and uh, Duck alone because they've all contributed a lot to music. Yes, definitely. <laughs> they don't need to catch that real politics mod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Melts. <laughs> <laughs> Chronologically speaking, I think next up is Greendale. Man. My favourite Bernard Shakey film. Yeah, I would, I would say. <laughs> so, like, I, I watched Greendale for the first and only time a few months ago at Emmett's place. Okay, yeah, that wasn't a very elucidating viewing. Experience. I think you fell asleep. I certainly did. <laughs> I certainly did. And I was like none the wiser as to what was happening. But I, I needed you awake because I kept like asking you what the fuck was going on. As, <laughs> it, as if you had any idea more than me. It's one of these class it's a rock opera, right? And it's one of these classic rock operas that like like Tommy, like it doesn't make any sense unless you read like a libretto or you have someone explain yeah. exactly what's going on. And then it still doesn't really have much of a storyline. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a pretty cool film. It's kind of kind of cool, yeah. I mean, so there are actors on screen, but mm. the only person doing acting their voice is Neil Young. Yeah. All the dialogue is just Neil singing. Yeah. It's recorded with the Crazy Horse rhythm section, billed mm. as Crazy Horse. Mm deceptively I think in my notes I'm like oh I really wish this music was played by Crazy Horse and I yeah. found out afterwards that it was played by Crazy Horse but Poncho's presence is so like conspicuous by his absence that it feels like a completely different band I think yeah it sounds more like Universal Themes by Mark Kozilek you know, where he's just got that like really scrappy guitar sound just like going between lead and rhythm like all oh, the time yeah you know? super spare that album 
mean, I don't, right. I don't think there's any base in the universe. Right, right, right. right. Grandpa said that cousin Jed sitting on the porch. I won't retire, but I might retread. Seems like that guy singing this song. He's been doing it for a long time. Is there anything you know that he ain't said? Sing this song. At least Billy is still doing his thing on Greendale. But yeah, you're right, whenever they go into a solo, there's just this, like, real politic fans out there taking up gaping, kind of like, <laughs> just emptiness, you know? Like, it's just this void behind Neil solos. Or escapes. Milk! <laughs> yeah. It's this weird idea Neil has that sometimes when he has a concept, he's like, well, I can't make the music too good. Or, it'll, or it will distract from the concept. <laughs> the purity of the... And it's just like, Neil, do you not think maybe if you made the music better, people might like your concept more? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I was thinking about living with war as well. Well, yeah, we will, we will get, we'll get there, to... I feel. Yeah, no, but... Greendale as an album, I think, is better than Living With War as an album. Okay. They have pretty... I don't know what the concerns are, you know, but it is, again, about... Environment. Environmentalism and <laughs> about, like, small-town life, much like Human Highway. It, David like, Lynch influence. Very much so. <laughs> very, very much so. Um, you know, like, in Twin Peaks The Return, you got Harry Dean Stanton just, like, out on the porch, just, like, reflecting on his life, and you've got a lot yeah. of scenes of, like, old people just being like, oh, damn, like... <laughs> life really didn't turn out the way I expected it the world is yeah. like a dark and horrible place and that's kind of where we start out Ben Cre Keefe uh, yeah. plays the late Ben Keefe great total legend pedal steel guitar player um, well in fact he wasn't pedal steel was his main instrument but Ben Keefe was like just Neil's kind of odd jobs guy for right. so long like he played sax in a lineup of the blue notes he played sax for Crazy Horse at one point, mm. played rhythm guitar on some of Neil's tours in the 2000s, played keyboards periodically. Uh, I think he like plays bongos on one track on On The Beach. Brilliant. Just Neil's guy. I think, because I first, I guess you first hear him on Harvest, right? That's his first. Yeah. And his slide playing with that is just fucking iconic. I wanna live, I wanna give, I've been They'd never even met. Like ben, Seriously? Yeah, Ben Keith just like snuck. He came in late to the session when they were all playing and just played the parts, and that, that was the first time that him and Neil ever met. It's gone crazy on the pedal steel on Alabama and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Crazy. I think that, so that would have been later after they cut those initial tracks okay. Old Man, 
harvest out on the weekend, out on the weekend and part of gold. I think those were the ones even like those have, in Nashville. All, even, all those have brilliant slide on them. Yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> that was just that instinctive thing where the two of them came together. And then I think obviously Neil realised the magic was there, mm. so he then invited Ben Keith out to the ranch to play on, you know, the barn jams. I think this is the thing about Neil that we haven't really spoken about on his recordings that is quite important for Greendale is that he just sets the mics up and then just like records the band and like tries to like one take it as yeah. of, as often as possible. He doesn't use overdubs at all. I guess Sleeps with Angels use some overdubs and obviously there's Yeah. Billy slamming the door on Into the Black, the last tune on Rust Never Sleeps. Yeah. Yeah, That's I think like an overdub there, but... he'll use them sort of like tastefully, especially on some of his acoustic stuff. So mm. like the first side of Russ Never Sleeps, mm-hmm. that's got overdubs on it because it's him sort of embellishing these solo acoustic recordings, I think. Which were taken from... That is taken from... The live soundboard, I think. Yeah. So allegedly. And, and, and it's pretty cool as well that he does that, that sometimes where a live recording begins and a studio recording ends, you don't know. I love that. It's one of my favourite things about listening to his music, I think, actually, is just the there's always going to be like the energy of the recording there. He never yeah. like, loses sight of that, even on trans, you know, even on his most. Like, yeah, exactly. Which is <laughs> kind of crazy, man. He's incapable of phoning it in. Yeah. Like, even Greendale, which I've got to be honest, I don't like very much, it's not phoned in. He's, he's putting his all into this project. This one feels a lot more low stakes than Human Highway. I mean, it was all shot on 8mm. Oh, didn't, yeah. Did, again, those terrible special effects are back. You got the double exposition of like the guy who's like the devil who just like dances around in some, <laughs> some sequences, you know. Is there a sequence where like a helicopter is yeah. chasing it? Like, reminded me of the Goodfellas scene, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a real helicopter in Goodfellas, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure Neil could have got a real helicopter if he wanted, you know. But I really like the music on Greendale. The first tune is called Falling From Above, right? Yeah. I don't think it's a whole steady tune, but it sounds exactly like a Craig Finn song. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the songs, they've got cool melodies and stuff, and I just wish that he'd developed them a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite song on Greendale is Bandit, which is that Is that the one, acoustic one? Yeah, the one with the fucked string on it. I love that song. <laughs> I love it, man. That's a lovely song. Someday you'll find everything you're looking for. That's that's the, the the only classic on the album, I think. It's got all the mistakes on there, though. It really sounds like Seven Doll or something. Like exactly. That. Yeah, like, it's beautiful. Turning the pages in this old book seems familiar. Might be worth a second. Wrapping up dope in a paper bag. Talking to yourself, taking a drag. certain palace records or, right. or songs are higher right like lo-fi yeah. folk quiet singing as well yeah it? yeah yeah Until practically a whisper the last tune where be the rain where you've got a neil on the megaphone like between oh the yeah quiet. 
Save the planet for this human race. Three eyed fish in the water. <laughs> fluoride is turning people gay. <laughs> like, so, so we're, we're, what's the, what the fuck is the plot of Greendale? So, okay. So it starts out with Ben Keith just talking to his daughter on the porch, just being like, damn, the world's so fucked up in it. Our ranch used to be so. <laughs> So pleasant, and it used to be called the Double R. Can I get you anything to go with this, Sheriff? Agent Cooper here might want to try a slice of that pie. The cherry pie? Best in the Tri Counties. Mm. Now it's called the Double E. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. But that's... We, did, we shouldn't have renamed it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the devils walking around, putting the spirit, putting the spirit on people. He causes Ben Keith's son who's like a bad guy. He's kind of like the Caleb Landry Jones character in Twin Peaks The Return. Oh, right, yeah, uh, yeah. And he's like driving around with like cocaine in his glove compartment. And then a cop comes over and... A little cocaine went a long, long way to ease that different load. To ease that different load. And then he shoots the cop. Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the, de the devil told him to. I know, fucking practice. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where. Comrade Neil. I, but I wanted to say at the end, like, is Neil cop or comrade? Neil, uh, Neil supports our boys, but only the army, not the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he shoots the cop and then he goes to jail and then something else happens and then the daughter is like, fuck this, I'm going to Alaska. And then she goes to this bar and she has a dance and the devil's there. And um, there's a scene where Neil is the like billionaire of the town called oh, Wayne yeah. Newton. He just turns up and he's wearing oh, yeah, a yeah. flashy suit and he looks quite jokes. Then the devil, oh, da da da, something something. The devil convinces her and her like boyfriend that she meets in this bar to like stage a protest where they invade a museum and she like chains herself to a statue. <laughs> yeah, she becomes like an eco terrorist. Basically, she? Yeah. but very again. As much of an eco-terrorist you can be on like a very small set, <laughs> you know. And then she like she starts a movement. Just do you know, uh, like... what Kelly Reichardt did in Night Moves. Just have the explosion way in the background. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good film actually. It was a very good film actually. Yeah. Also, Night Moves, the Arthur Penn film from the seventies. I've not seen that. Very good. Good neo noir with Gene Hackman. But we're not talking about that today. Um, I mean, I don't know where we're getting with the plot of Greendale. Green and then <laughs> the, she joins a band <laughs> with Neil Young, and then they like start. A global protest movement oh yeah the environment is saved i guess yeah yeah and then at the end they're playing be the rain and it's all inspiring and it's a happy ending or something like, yeah what the fuck yeah man? what the fuck man uh, anyway he toured this for like a year with crazy horse playing shows almost entirely consisting of greendale just like tommy in it did the whole album <laughs> then then a few of the greatest hits as an encore okay hmm i think he did some solo greendale shows as well which would have been excruciating I think. It's, it's, every song on the album is like 10 minutes long yeah it's like an eight song album. And they don't change as well solo acoustic versions would have been so like monotonous it would have been very mark kozilek actually i feel wouldn't it but yeah or maybe even, but just the length i feel you know <laughs> so there was a demo film that came a few years after greendale which is neil young heart of gold oh that's a good song Where the Canada geese once fell 
so Neil had a health scare and he went and I think he'd been recording a bit of the album before actually but he he had a brain aneurysm almost died and I think his dad had died around this time so he was feeling very pensive looking back at his life and he made this country record in the vein of Harvest Harvest Moon called Prairie Wind Prairie Wind which was actually I think the first full Neil Young album I may have heard nice it came out in 2005 so I would have been 11 I remember my dad getting it on CD I remember I really liked that track on it Buried Me Out on the Prairie Mm. which I still think is a Far From Home it's called I still think is a lovely song it doesn't get any credit because it doesn't sound much like Neil Young because it's got all these cheesy horns on it and right. stuff. I like the Emmy Lou backing vocals on that. Yeah, she sings great backing yeah. vocals on the record. There's just something about the chorus of Far From Home that bury me out on the prairie where the buffalo used to roam where the Canada geese once filled the sky then I won't be far from home. I, I really mm. think it's one of the last great songs that Neil Young wrote. If I was doing a mixtape of 2000s Neil that would definitely be on there mm, but I really he, like the version of Four Strong Winds on that yeah as well, yeah and that's on the, film. on the film yeah so they did this kind of like big elegiac film to Neil and the countryside of Neil's personality mm. and where he fits within that tradition called Heart of Gold I remember there being about like 20 acoustic guitarists on stage yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not the most stripped down Neil Young thing I, I also I don't get the point of having that many acoustic guitarists I well I played in a. You in, yeah, you've done this, haven't you? Too? I have. I played in a ten acoustic guitar section for Frank. I worked with Frank Ocean. Yeah. So not to flex. And yeah, he was doing a tour, and he brought out a string section for like a few songs with ten violinists and also ten acoustic guitarists all playing in sync. Were all you in all, so we all just strumming the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, or like, uh, actually, or like picking out the same like little notes and stuff like that. It's a Phil Spectory kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? Just, I think he was influenced by Fripp. I think he was trying to do that. It, oh, yeah, okay, that's yeah, super yeah. interesting, man. Um, I can't speak for the genius, but I think that was his <laughs> idea. I'd quite like to know how it sounded. All I know is how it sounded in my in-ears when I was very, very stressed looking at all these <laughs> like crying people at the festivals or whatever. Jeff Lynn is another one who does that, who just stacks tracks with acoustic guitar. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I don't, I don't, don't get me wrong, I don't really fuck with Jeff Lynn. It's an interesting, interesting way to do it, I feel like. But... <laughs> His Tom Petty records that he produced, I do love those because of the strength of Petty's songwriting. Mm. And there is just something in the precision of Lynn's production, which does come in part from just stacking all these rhythm guitars. Did he do the production on the Travelling Wilburys record? He did indeed, yes. Yeah, but they sound very, like, thick. (laughs) Yes, it's too thick. Definitely. Too too much on there, yeah. Definitely. that was a case of often because he's just a single-minded Beatles obsessive, Jeff Lynne's productions can sound not too dated because they always just sound a bit like the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the 80s, like, he, even Jeff Lynne was not immune from terrible synthesizers and shit. Anyway, look, that's a massive detour again from Heart of Gold. Good film. Good film. Maybe the best film we've talked about today. Yeah. And then next up, CSNY Deja Vu. <laughs> So this is the, the one that I've been oh the moment we've all been about. waiting for. <laughs> oh, this is the moment of truth. Jets on flights from Britain to the US, but uh, Neil Young says it's no big deal. The history of artists 
throughout the centuries has been that they have taken a position in which they speak from the God. This country is at war and they have a lot of nerve standing there saying we're for the country and we're behind our servicemen and then they do all kinds of crap like that. If you've never been shot at or never had to shoot at somebody, you have no right to blame the government because they're smarter than you. People are just in a nightmare right now, wondering if their son's gonna get killed today or tomorrow or yesterday. You're not supposed to get to the point where I'm at, with it, where I'm like, uh, almost like crazed with this political situation. It's the more I think about it, the more upset I get. What I should be doing is just writing songs and focusing on how to frame the issues in a way that people can understand them. So I rewatched this last night. Yeah, exactly. I, I rewatched it last night as well. I used to think this film was really good. It it got released in cinemas. It was probably Mad. Bernard Shakey's most successful. I guess the Russ Ned Fleet film was probably watched by quite a lot of people. Yeah. But this presumably was quite a big deal at the time. I feel like in like the post-Michael Moore, yeah. George Bush era, people were like really trying to go see these kind well, of like... That's why Michael and Us have got to do it, isn't it? Definitely. It's 100% a Michael and Us type film. I think one of the first conversations we ever had was about how they got to do a Michael and Us episode on this. Yeah, because it's that... Beat you to it, motherfuckers. It's that post-Bush malaise. Yeah. Well, during Bush. The kind of post-9-11 thing where even saying like, I literally think the military are the best guys in the world and I think it's super cool when they defend our freedoms by like ripping out Iraqi children's throats, mm -hmm. but I'm not actually in favour of the war. Like, the, that was, like, seen as the most radical thing <laughs> that you could possibly yeah. say. It's this, in, it's incredibly nauseating. I thought by maybe an hour in that they were going to have stopped, like, just emphasising how much they love American troops. Yeah, I mean, there's this one moment where they interview this guy who's, like, fled to Canada because he was really down for being in the army. But, like, when he was told to, like, kill women and children, that's yeah. when he couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Anderson had already served one tour of duty in Iraq where he was wounded by an IED explosion. He fled to Canada rather than go back with his unit to Iraq a second time. This was completely against everything I've been raised to believe, and there was no way I would kill women and children. This is why I went to Iraq. I thought if I went and died there, I'd protect my mom and sister back home. But in fact, I was just killing someone else's mom and sister. That's actually, that comes about an hour into the film. That is the first time that they mention what is actually ha happening right. in Iraq. Right. What the Americans are actually doing out there. It's not about the Iraq war. Everything <laughs> before then has just been about our troops are being sent to be put in danger. Yeah. It takes one of the troops to actually say, oh, they wanted us to kill women and children. And this was made in 2006, right? He recorded the album in March. He recorded Living With War in March 2006. Yeah. He released it in May. And then he went on tour with CSNY. He, like, reunited them yeah. that, that summer to do this tour. So this wasn't even, like, Abu Ghraib time. It wasn't, like, the Dixie Chicks time. No. It wasn't where there was, like, an issue of, like, oh, should we be going to war with Iraq or whatever? No. It's like quite a while after it, that. Yeah, it was w well into the Iraq war, yeah. and that's why a lot of their framing of the war in it is just like, it's not been a success, and mm. you can see that now. Mm. And it's like, well, that's kind of like, 
a lot of people could see that it wasn't going to be a success and opposed it from the start on yeah. those grounds while Neil was singing let's roll for freedom let's roll for love let's blur 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 on mm. the wings of a dove <laughs> <laughs> let's roll for freedom let's roll for love going after Satan on the wings of a dove let's roll for justice let's roll Let's not let our children grow up fearful and their guilt. Time is running out. Let's roll. I know that there was a bad political culture at that time when like John Kerry who had protested against the Vietnam War mm. had to emphasize instead the fact that he fought in the Vietnam War right. during his presidential campaign it's clearly an mm-hmm. artifact of that era but all hawks no doves incredible like poverty of anti-war arguments in it for sure for sure there's not there's nothing it's not anti-imperialist or anything it's all just this kind of chauvinist thing of like our boys are out there i think you're thinking a bit too much about it man because i think this film is ultimately just about csny making money and sort of like coming back because that's what's behind it right csny is sort of remembered as this like soundtracking like the vietnam protest band yeah and now, like, oh, people are protesting about war again. They even talk about this in the film. Like, oh, yeah. like, being at the Stop the War protest really reminded me of Vietnam. So let's get CSNY back together and, like, yeah. go out on tour and, like, you know. Be like, like, it's not nostalgic because this shit is happening now. Yeah, yeah exactly. But but it's they're cool. making money off it again, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, you could say the other guys didn't seem to be bringing a whole load of new topical songs. They seem to... Kinda... Even, like, Rockin' in the Free World, he's critiquing George Bush. Yeah thousand points of light and stuff like that mm. there's one line there's that let's impeach the president song on this which is all about it's a know, funny song it is really yeah. it's a really funny song you tweeted once that you'd played a song called impeach the president on blonded radio yeah the classic like drum brick song yeah but i was like oh cool they're putting on let's impeach the president <laughs> living with war deep cut wow wow no we never had any neil on on blonded oh good man I've definitely put him forward a fair few times. Is Blonded still an ongoing thing? Perhaps, man. Perhaps. That, okay, I okay, cool. couldn't possibly confirm nor deny. Well, but there's plenty of good episodes in the back catalogue worth listening to. Oh, you know well, what people saying. can check those out. You know what I'm saying. But if it is coming back, then definitely get some Neil Young on there. Yeah, we got, yeah, <laughs> we got Kozilek on there last time on the Christmas one. Oh, his, sweet. Uh, his Pretenders 10,000 Miles cover on the Christmas Oh, one. excellent.
anyway, we're not talking about Frank Ocean. Yeah, so, 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 I, 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 like, yeah, easily could. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but that's what it is to me: is them fulfilling a role that they think they're suited for. So Crosby kind of says, "Oh, it's a benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> it's not like Neil's bossing. It is like Neil's bossing everyone about. Like from everything I've heard about the band, that that Neil does boss them about. I hope it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he's the one who fucking knows what he's doing. He wrote the Living with War album. Like, well, exactly. Know. It's his record. Yeah." They do play a couple of songs off Wild Tales. They play Military Madness by that song's, Graham That's Songs for Beginners. Oh, Sorry right, yeah, to be yeah, a, yeah, a Graham no, Nash pedal here. It is, here. but that's a really good song. It is, and we were just saying before we started recording that it's really bolstered by the addition of Neil just kind of murdering his guitar in the middle yeah. and at the end of the song. <laughs> just like, there's not a part of the original tune that I'm happy to take it. And also Graham Nash is like nice and kind of cheesy little bit. I don't believe that this war is over Until the body count is finally filed and I, I hope George, George Bush, Bush discovers <laughs> I, I, I like him naming the names there. That's, that's kind of cool, man. So but I do, you know, I He's do... He's a likeable fellow, this Graham Nash. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for some of that, their protesty uh, moments. of speech tour and again it's not like the war is bad tour they have to emphasize the fact that they should be allowed to say that war is bad rather than that war is bad yeah yeah that's what it's about i think it's really funny how they've got this cnn war correspondent a guy who's been embedded with the u.s army it's like you realise embedded journalism is trash right now. <laughs> it's just like the official line. It's like the least insightful reporting on war. I, I think he definitely didn't realise that. I don't think he was. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. But it's just funny because the guy is clearly loving it because it's so much more chill than actually being in a war zone. <laughs> and so he's just kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll take this job. This, this film is kind of a lot about the press, though. It's about Neil Young's website. Now, yeah. when he launched Living With War, he put it out for free on his website. This is before Radiohead and all that. Yeah. It was like 2006. Supposedly a million people listened to it in the first week. Although after Wilco, they'd... Oh, it's true, yeah. yeah. It's true, yeah, good Fox point. Trial. But they, they leaked that album. Oh, yes, yes, They, sorry. like, put it out on, like, Mediafire or whatever, I think. Or whatever. <laughs> Sick. Where like, fuck it. But, yeah, so he did that. He started, like, very proto-music streaming service where people yeah. could upload their protest songs and then have this, like, global community of Neil Young fans. 
pretty cool idea. I mean, very, it's very cool. I, I haven't listened to any of the songs, but I mean, this is They're, this guy had a lot of fucking ideas. They it? show. I, I mean, I think there's. It is really interesting, actually, the stuff he was doing with his website at that point because mm. he's carried it on into what is now called the Neil Young Archives Times Contrarian, yeah, the yeah, newspaper yeah, yeah. that is now on his much more expansive archives website. Mm. But you actually do hear a couple of the songs, the protest. Oh songs. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I got the names. So I got the names. Bad. Yeah, I mean they are pretty bad. I'm so, not trying to rag on these PTSD vets. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, but I don't know. Their songs like didn't even seem to be that much like about war. Be they did living with war is more about anti-war than these guys songs I yeah well like. yeah i mean i like a couple i like the title track of living with war for me example me uh, too. neil dug that out in 2014 on that tour it was like crazy horse without billy right because he'd had a stroke and neil was getting divorced from peggy and it was mm-hmm. a very tumultuous time in his life and he sort of was bringing out really weird selections of songs like he was doing barstool blues in the original key which like i can I can't sing Barstool Blues in the original. It's a really good song. Neil definitely can't. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. I was so happy when he played that. He was, but he was, he was struggling. So, like, on, he plays it literally like five steps down on the of the horse. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. It's in like B rather than E. And anyway, yeah, but he was so like he dug up like separate ways from homegrown in 2014 and stuff. Never heard. Well, it's it never come out yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. but it should be on Archives Volume Two. Sick. What, what was I even saying about? We're talking about the protesting as about living living with war. Yeah. yeah. So, so like the protest. <laughs> the protest singers you you see in it, but it, it's all just kind of I don't know. The songs like literally just sounded like they were about like killing people and <laughs> and, and, and like just just die like with my gun in my head, being so in being in a go. war zone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I guess, neither of us have been in a war zone. I guess zone, they man, have so. been in a war zone, but yeah, it just all seemed to be kind of like. Pro, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Maybe it's very like troubadour balladeery. Yeah, I don't know where to draw the line between a veteran depicting their life in song and mm. somebody like trying to like valorize or glamorize it. JPEG Mafia does it pretty well on his veteran album. You should check that out. Okay, that's an album about being a veteran. I mean, yeah, I haven't heard that. It's cool. The album itself is pretty weird. He's got this like hundred piece choir that they keep on yeah. cutting to. Few, it's literally hundred voices. Maybe a few too many voices, I think. I think so. There's a soundtrack album of CSNY Deja Vu, and it's an inessential project, I would say. But <laughs> it does feature a few... Th- so it's got it's got that kick-ass version of Military Madness on there, cool. so that's cool. the, the main selling point. It's got... The Ohio on the film is really cool as well. Yeah, it's, good, it's a good Ohio. There's a instrumental version of Living With War, the song, which... Oh, is it the piano Piano. One? But then about halfway through electric guitar comes in and you're like oh, okay cool cool i couldn't handle the piano version oh, on no, like the montage dun, dun, last dun, 10 minutes dun, dun, yeah what is it is yeah, it like infomercial is it a advice. montage of dead troops no there's that bit where they have the montage <laughs> of dead troops but that's to the csny song i really don't like the oh yeah find the cost of freedom yeah, yeah and then they inside to a higher <clears throat> is it yeah right and they're interviewing this woman whose son died in iraq 
and how important it is to her that like her son's been memorialized as like one of the five thousand faces that comes up in yeah. like, Neil Young's like PowerPoint presentation <laughs> while they're singing that song. I don't if that's real justice, like fair enough. Fuck that, yeah. <laughs> this woman I, seems to be pretty happy. About yeah, that. I mean, I guess <laughs> if she appreciated the tribute, then that is good. But um, yeah, I don't know. There was one hilarious moment though when Graham Nash is like. We're not preaching to the choir here. I mean, I want the choir to get up, the, get up off their ass and fucking do something. And then it cuts to like the hundred piece choir. Yeah. <laughs> All standing up. It's like I guess that's Bernard Shakey's editing Trademark, theory, yeah. theory of montage or whatever. You know. Thinking back to the veterans, they have appear in it. There's one of them who it might be the same guy who he was saying how he didn't want to kill women and children mm. quite understandably <laughs> but he was basically like oh yeah the initial invasion was great crazy and he's just talking all about how good he doesn't mention at any point like maybe the pretense for america going into iraq in the first place was wrong yeah he's just kind of like oh yeah but the initial invasion went so well we got rid of saddam and everything Back in the days of talks about shock and all and, uh, and, uh, and how we went to liberate Iraq. And for us, that was a cause, it was great. We were Marines as it was, so you know we were ready to fight always. That's how we're trained. And you know, we, we had our war, we were going to, to write our pages in history. It was our adventure. We invaded Iraq, it was all just like you'd think, just like, just like a war, uniform against uniform. Took Baghdad, everything went down, it was great. And we, we, we did a little, little drive around Baghdad after everything fell and a huge parade. Um, People were cheering, screaming. They loved it. So if you felt like you really accomplished something. It was like a big, like a milestone in your life. It was huge. And this song was written about Iraq and is dedicated to all the guys we lost while we were over there. After Josh came home, he played bass in a rock band with other Marine vets called Condition One, named after the final order to lock and load their weapons before going out on a mission in Iraq. Things change on your second tour of duty in Ramadi in the part of the Sunni Triangle. Well, we uh, got the call that Ramadi and Fallujah were getting really bad and worse and worse, and that the Marine Corps was gonna have to go back. Really wanted to go. We already established that I, I got married and had a son. Kind of established a family. We wanted to stay and, and, and start this adventure, this, this second adventure, you know, fatherhood. Say hi, hi, Mike. This time, yeah, I'm definitely watching my own ass a little bit more, just because I want my kid to have a dad. And we got over there, and it was insane. We dropped right into a hornet's nest. That is the motherfucking window that saved my life. Every day we'd go out, we'd walk around. Somebody would get blown up. We didn't accomplish anything. We didn't gain any footholds. We just took casualties, and then we'd go back. And then we'd get go back out, and uh, bam, get hit with an ID. So you go and you do these things you have to do. And it's it's horrible because you bust into a house and this guy kind of looks like your dad or your uncle, you know? And you see this guy and kind of looks like your little brother. And he's scared. And he's like down on the floor, he's scared, you know? You know, you just don't feel good about it at the end of the day sometimes. 
just like, why? <laughs> why did you do it? <laughs> and it's just, just the lack of fucking, like, curiosity is so annoying. And just to return to Stephen Stills and his, like, terrifying fascistic speech, it's real, like, blood and soil kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he like... is just going around all these fundraisers. But yeah. So on his rare nights off the tour, Stephen Stills was still on point, doing local fundraisers across the country in advance of the critical midterm elections. You know, I'm not a career politician. You know, a year ago before I started this race, no one gave me a chance. And that's why, you know, the fact that a person like Stephen Stills comes here in our neighborhood and, and gives us his message, and it just really gives us, you know, a powerful voice on our side. Veterans are the most valuable candidates that we have because I think that the most valuable resource that we have that we are wasting, that we are squandering, is those wonderful men and women who would be so noble as to put on the suit, endure basic training, pick up a weapon, and stand a post in our defense. And this is somebody I can trust, and somebody you can trust with your future, with your children's future, with your district, and with the future of the country. Yeah. Thank you. How, how important is it for someone to pay maybe 70 to 100 bucks to go see the concert or someone to write a check for a campaign? To be perfectly honest, I would suppose I'd rather have them uh, you know, get involved in their local races. These state races are really important. They're much more important than our, you know, our uh, gang of four you know, going out there and raising can as entertaining as it is. Oliver Stone vibes almost. I feel like Oliver Stone is far to the left of. Yeah, but he, you know that bit in what's it called, World Trade Center. Oh, okay, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> very like... These films have aged horribly, like, uh, appallingly, <laughs> appallingly. So shocking. <laughs> it, it, well, it's weird as well that Oliver Stone's World Trade Center is so reactionary. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The yeah, fact yeah. that this was the guy who, like, literally at that precise time was swanning around Latin America, like, doing puff piece interviews with Chavez and stuff. Of course he was, man, yeah. Which, yeah, I'm a big supporter. Shout out. Supporter of Hugo Chavez. Shout so, out, yeah. So, like, uh, yeah. Nice. But it's interesting that even that filmmaker was doing, like, for Michael Shannon, like, I must rejoin the army now. It's that American shit, though, I guess. you got to, like, re yeah. re-triangulate when something yeah, like that Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just bizarre that this film by hippies mm. yeah is so kind of enthralled to the military yeah yeah i think neil is ultimately kind of doing it for the right reasons i think he's a compassionate yeah. heartfelt person who cares about the individual lives and the families Definitely. and stuff like that i think that's kind of the reason he's doing this there's but then the other reason is for csny to like be that protest band and make money exactly i mean there's a bit in it that i think is very relatable from neil that mm. i think like any kind of left twitter shit poster could get which is where Neil talks about how he like flicks open some magazine and there's a big article in there talking about how technological advances are coming along thanks to the war in Iraq. And he got really angry at the framing of that. Uh -huh. Like, well, so what if people are dying and stuff? And that's the same reaction, you know, like any, any of us would have yeah, reading, yeah, reading yeah. some crap coverage like that. That's this kind of like wonky look like well people are dying but on the other hand blah, blah, blah. you know our space program in 50 years is going to be crazy well <laughs> yes exactly yeah. like i mean yeah i don't give a fuck about this shit yeah it's always interesting to work out to what extent like neil is a luddite or like some sort of technological visionary because he so, loves tech in a way doesn't he yeah yeah i mean like his website is far ahead of its time he's always been trying to do 
Even his developing the electric car. Yeah. As I said, he probably considers that to be his greatest achievement. Well, and you were talking earlier about his wireless mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, the innovative technology they used to record the shows on the Time Fades Away tour, which... What did they do? It was some kind of mobile studio that they used that had just been invented. It does sound like there's a studio on stage. And, and apparently it wasn't very good and that's partly why the sound quality on Time Fades Away is a little bit inferior. I got that upright piano to sound really good though, I think. Yeah, I mean, but the album sounds fine to me. Like, they've remastered it. Yeah, now, okay, it's yeah, all, yeah, It's yeah, all yeah, good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh, and also, Neil, in terms of Neil and technology, the last waltz, Neil's appearance. This is huge. Martin Scorsese <laughs> had to spend an inordinate amount of money on some incredibly innovative technology. It was Industrial Light and Magic. They were working on Star Wars at the time and this was their first, like, scene. CGI job <laughs> before like some laser shit in Star Wars. Yeah, so <laughs> if I was to sum up the band's like Last Waltz era in in one substance, it, it, yeah, well, in in like one sort of like mental image, it would be like Martin Scorsese and Robbie Robertson like railing fat lines of coke off each other's dicks, like it was they were living together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of cocaine backstage uh, yeah. at the Last Waltz. Neil himself, no stranger to partaking in that drug, did some. God, he kills Helpless as well. Yeah. Like, it's Great, it's version, amazing. Yeah. Joni on backing vocals, so good from like behind the stage. Yeah, she's pr- so probably cool. probably behind the stage because she'd been on the coke as well. Yeah, <laughs> Joni's nose just like there's no digital editing that could have could have cleared that up. But yeah, so they had to they had to like superimpose a nostril onto a rock of coke in there. <laughs> God, free spirit, man. You know. So, deja vu. There's a couple of things I like how this film is broken up between all the footage. Yeah. With these panning shots of the cityscapes and there's the press quotes from the positives and the negatives. Yeah. Some people like love it. There's two quotes. One, this journalist is like, I want my $350 back. I'm like, that's so fucking expensive. Yeah, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Four balding hippie millionaires might not be able to save the world, but their commitment to ideals they first championed during the Vietnam War underscores how a band that made Deja Vu a radio hit doesn't have to settle for nostalgia. Michael Cote, Daily Camera. Freedom isn't free, the slogan goes. And no kidding, speech alone can set you back $251.50. The famed quartet wasn't advocating complete freedom of speech, though, just the kind they agreed with. Rich Kane, Los Angeles Times. <laughs> also, like, fucking, like, a journalist had to pay, yeah. like, they, their publication wouldn't buy the tickets yeah, for them. Come on, there. come on. These, like, stadium shows. <laughs> like, they got ripped off by their boss. <laughs> yeah, 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 seriously. <laughs> but the other one, there's, like, a Vox Pop where they're talking about how much they upset the crowd. And, yeah. Like, people are like, oh, Neil Young can suck my dick. Duh, we duh, haven't duh. talked about the Neil Young can suck my dick scene yet, because yeah. that's the most infamous. I love clip. it. There's this woman who says, oh, I couldn't handle the politics, but at least the music was still really good. Conservative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, CSNY are quite a musically conservative outfit, I think. Yeah, well, maybe not. Uh, not that song. Crosby is, 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 to be fair, has always been quite a weirdo in terms of his songwriting. Yeah. As has Neil, really. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Neil's like simple chords, but a weird vision. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crosby is weird chords, weird everything. Uh, <laughs> so there's that clip which is this whole gamut of reactions mm. and it is weird that there's so many people in that have convinced themselves that like artists don't get engaged in politics mm. it's like 
where did you get this idea? Like, especially about these particular guys. Yeah, like, they've only ever been around to make, like, political scenes. <laughs> yeah, also, I don't understand the thing about when people buy tickets to a tour that's clearly advertised in a certain way. The freedom of speech. The freedom of speech tour. Like, the internet existed in 2006. Yeah. They could have looked up a review of the show. They could listen to the album for free. They could listen to the fucking album for free. Yeah, as you say, which is clearly... a anti-Bush album. And nobody's living with more and more than you guys. Yeah. Nobody is. So, you know, like, I, when I get some feedback from one of you guys that makes me feel good about what I'm doing or a family... Yeah, you can feel that. I can feel it in the record, man. It's a good, good. album, man. I good. like it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I also thought there's some people in it who are they're basically like, well, fuck the Dixie Chicks. I've banned the Dixie Chicks from my house. Hmm. And then they're like, oh, it's the is fine, though. <laughs> I'm just like, what, what, why, though? Why? And it's, I, do, I do wonder if there's like a bit of sexism there. Like, yeah. you know, and maybe ageism as well. Like, these guys have done kind of reverse ageism in, the, in that these guys have been around so long they can get away with it but well, i think there is an element throughout everything we've looked at today of like neil young's like a huge artist and a free spirit but like he wouldn't have gotten away with or been able to do half the stuff he wanted to do if he was a woman of a similar like stature as a musical artist people yeah, wouldn't definitely. have taken these literally crazy ideas Joni mitchell couldn't have made human highway i think so yeah i, I mean <laughs> i think that Joni understandably resents Bob Dylan. I don't know yeah, if she yeah, I don't know yeah. if she does Neil Young, but despite her and Dylan, I know a few decades ago they were friends. Mm. Joni doesn't really give interviews, but one of the last times she did she had some very like scathing words for mm. Dylan and because he just gets away with Yeah, she just basically called him a phony and yeah. yeah, I mean she's as great an artist as any of them and and probably wouldn't be able to make the stuff he did. Although in terms of a weird vanity project by a woman director involving Neil Young. Oh, I haven't seen it. Let's go. Come Daryl on. Daryl Hannah did. Neil's current wife, Daryl Hannah, and of course a long-term veteran in the film industry herself, mm. who played one of the people in Kill Bill. And, yeah. And The Little Mermaid. She's in Blade Runner as well. She's in Blade... Of course she's in Blade Runner, yeah. Her and Neil got together in 2014, and a mere, I think, three years later, their first film together arrived. <laughs> it's similar to Human Highway in length. Possibly shorter. I think around <laughs> 70 minutes. No plot. So, again, similar to Human Highway in plot. Great. Features some good music. For example, cool. I th there's a live version of Like a Hurricane or something in the middle. Uh, I can't remember if it's Horse or Promise of the Real. Mm -hmm. but... Is it a Neil Young film or is it just a film with Neil Young? In I'd say it's a Neil Young film. Yeah. Neil plays a kind of version of himself in it and... Mm -hmm. But there's Neil Young music in the film. Yeah, so it, it, it for example, oh my god, literally I think Daryl Hannah had watched Human Highway before she made it, because like Human Highway in the middle, just all the plot, I'm, I'm doing uh, quotation marks <laughs> with my fingers there, all the plot just stops and then you go into this kind of dream sequence and then Neil and Promise of a Real do a song. Oh, okay, uh, that's alright. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and it sort of breaks up the film, it's right in the middle. That's uh, what my dreams are like, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the song is Peace Trail, the title track of like the Peace Trail album. band version of Peace Trail. It's the first time, it turns out, that Promise of a Real ever played Peace Trail. Okay. And that made it into the movie. So it's quite cool to, mm. to see I'm that. Watch. Is it still on Netflix? I believe it is, yeah, because like... it was Netflix original, so it's probably not going anywhere. Oh, it's a Netflix original.
uh, there was a time when Neil Young Journeys was one of the only good films on Netflix, and as a result, I've seen it about ten times. Yeah, I think it's been taken off. So Neil Young Journeys, I really like. That was Jonathan Demme's. Unfortunately, Jonathan Demme died a few years ago, so I think this will go down in history as his last Neil Young film. But it's really good. It involves Neil going around. Omimi. Omimi. I forgot the name on my podcast when we talked about it. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned this, and it's got Neil talking about, like, what was it? He's talking about sticking firecrackers up a duck. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, that's, that was very funny. Uh, kind of twisted, kind of serial killer tendency yeah, to young but Neil. Luckily, he became a musician. Yeah, so. thank God. Thank God. <laughs> lucky he formed that band with Rick James. And his, his <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, he got chances in music, but, but Charlie Manson never got. <laughs> he had his chances, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. He had plenty of chances. He never collaborated with Dennis Wilson. There's not that much crossover, for sure. What, Neil? Neil Wilson, Charles Manson. Yeah, Revolution Blues is about Manson. Well, yeah. Neil met Manson, he thought he was weird. He didn't what, like him. That, like, Topanga Canyon. Yeah. The scene or whatever. Neil Young Journeys by Jonathan Demme covers the tour for Neil's solo electric album, The Noise. I mean, yep, it's true, actually. There's a couple of songs on acoustic guitar and The Noise. And indeed the gig. Neil performs like a variety of songs throughout his career on both electric and acoustic guitar and on piano as well, uh, and probably pump organ, which he loves these days. And uh, during a lot of the electric songs, they've got this thing where there's a, a, a camera attached to Neil's mic, and I think it was nicknamed the spittle cam, because it's just <laughs> just this almost gross fucking uh, <laughs> you know the contents of Neil's mouth are just splayed across that camera for all to see, it's quite disgusting but um, you know uh, it's, it's certainly novel certainly adds to the dirty grimy feel of some of his electric music. There is actually there's a Neil Young Jonathan Demme movie that I forgot to mention in the middle of Heart of Golden Journeys, there's one called Neil Young Trunk Show. Never heard of it. So, 2008, no, sorry, 2007, Neil put out Chrome Dreams 2. Maybe his, my favourite latter day Neil Young. Yeah, his band on Chrome Dreams 2 was a kind of super group of mm. Neil Young apparatchiks from mm -hmm. various eras. So, on drums, you had Ralph Molina representing Crazy Horse, on bass, the late Rick Rosas representing various eras of Neil's mm -hmm. career, and on rhythm guitar slash steel guitar slash keyboards ben keith of BK. course yeah and so neil did a big tour with a sort of big band of various people including on the first leg of the tour i think from 2009 he was replaced with chad cromwell but ralph was on some of the tour mm -hmm. peggy was on the tour and people from neil's 80s country band and, and this was the tour i saw him on for the first time yeah me too yeah. at high park in 2009 yeah, yeah, yeah. i think the same first gig I think Jonathan Demme's film Trunk Show captures Neil during the original leg of the tour with mm. Ralph Molina. So cool. that okay, is, yeah. it's really good. And I have not actually, to my knowledge, ever seen the film. But the music from the film has been a permanent fixture on my phone for as long as I can remember. And I don't want to delete it because I have no idea if I'll ever find it again. Yeah, 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 for sure. So it opens. It, it's not going to be in archives like all these other ones, I guess. I, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. I'd actually really like to see this as well because it's <laughs> really good. I mean, it features like the most ragged version of like a hurricane you'll ever hear. It completely falls apart at multiple points. Great. There is a version of the seventies unreleased song "Sad Movies," 
don't even know that song. Neil says that it's the only recording of the song. He mm. never actually recorded it in the 70s. Mellow My Mind is a uh, banjo acoustic version. Yeah. Harvest, a solo acoustic. Oh Lonesome Me, played with the band. Kansas slash Mexico, two unreleased songs from Homegrown done as a medley, a solo acoustic. I need Homegrown. I feel like if it comes out, it will probably be my favourite. It's got to come album. out. It, yeah. it, apparently it's a double album. Right, yeah. Gotta be amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's like the hard rockers off of the Chrome Dreams two albums. So there's versions I'm of Spirit. Dirty old man, I'm a... no, no dirty old man. Actually, oh come on, but... that's the best song he ever did, man. <laughs> well, it's kind of like piece of crap part two. Exactly. But you do get Spirit Road and No Hidden Path. Brilliant. Killer... Spirit Road is a classic, man. Killer tunes. They played that at Hyde Park, I think. Like, how good is this set list? You also get Ambulance Blues. <sighs> The kind of inconsequential Chrome Dreams 2 deep cut, The Believer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cowgirl in the Sand. Mm-hmm. An acoustic version of Cowgirl in the Sand, solo acoustic. And The Sultan. Raw. A version of Neil's From first, the first album. ever single. Yeah. No, it's not even. No, it's the instrumental one. Yeah, The Squires. Yeah, raw. Sort of a surf rock instrumental. What a strange. What strange... a strange selection of songs, I know, right? This man can do anything. It's though. really great. <laughs> someone to hold for a while There's matinees on Saturdays when we sit in the velvet chairs Popcorn boxes flying through the Sad movies that make you cry Bad movies that make you wonder why Ever came Do something to me Don't make me wait Stab something through me Don't cut out the good things I There's actually some oncoming, um, oncoming. What's the phrase? Upcoming. Upcoming. Incoming? Upcoming. Forthcoming. Forthcoming. <laughs> forthcoming or upcoming will work just fine. Neil Young film releases. Yeah. So more than ever, seemingly. Yeah, yeah. So he's been doing this thing on the archives website called Movie Tone, where it's like a different video every day on there, and mm. sometimes it's just a music video of a particular song, or sometimes it will be like a full show or some shit. So. Mm a show from the tour that gave us a trunk show mm-hmm. that aired on there the Lenoise sessions aired which I was telling you about That's what you sent me the other day yeah, 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 it, yeah. so it turns out that For the Love of Man mm-hmm. Twisted Road and 
Born in Ontario, mm. all those songs on Psychedelic Pill, they were mm. actually recorded for The Noise. Very fruitful songwriting period for Neil, I feel. Yeah, like although For the Love of Man actually dates back to the 1980s. Mm. There's versions from the trans era, and it's clearly, if you listen to the lyrics, it's clearly written about Ben Young. When, right. when a child is born to live, but not like you or I, it's a really touching song about his, his disabled son. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's really lovely actually when you when mm. when you really think about that song. And also, you get two versions of You Never Call, the song yeah, about yeah, yeah. the late L.A. Johnson. So to tie it in with a luminary of, of shaky pictures, there's a film coming out called The Mountaintop Sessions, which will document the making of Colorado, the cool, forthcoming yeah. album yeah. by Neil Young, Crazy Horse. Is that next week? Or... Yeah. Depending on when this podcast I've been checking Soulseek every day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this was initially, we were doing this to like celebrate the fact there's a new yeah, well, crazy horse album. yeah exactly so well, I'm, I'm sure we can we'll uh, like release it's probably out by now to celebrate. if you're listening yeah yeah exactly rock on to the 20 minute jams you know yeah I've, or I've heard that there's the 13 minute track and that's the longest one on there unfortunately oh okay well, still still, still, pretty, still long. pretty long yeah. still pretty long still nice and long regarding the new album Colorado Neil was actually going to do a tour with Crazy Horse this fall like autumn and winter but Bernard Shakey reared his head once again and Neil actually cancelled the tour which was going to go ahead it was going to be a thing it was going to happen we could have seen the horse but no Bernard Shakey wanted to spend the rest of the year working on various film projects including Mountaintop the film documenting the making of the Colorado record so you know I'm super hyped for Colorado and for Mountaintop but yeah really wish the horse were properly you know fucking roaring back to action let's hope that 2020 is the year of the horse rainbow of colors this first single released off this album right this is bringing it Se- back to second like, single second single right milky way was the first oh yeah that sounds cool i like milk. that <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a listener i was know. sailing on the milky way <laughs> <laughs> but Rainbow of Colors is one of these CSNY deja vu like America the Beautiful it could have uh, fit yeah, in like, well on Living With Wolves I guess it could also be a pro-LGBT song but I'm not sure I think it's meant to be pro-racial equality right, and okay. pro-LGBT equality because okay. I think Neil does not stand by his homophobic comments in the 80s I hope not yeah hopefully I not. Hope not I can't imagine that's mm. the kind of thing that nowadays he would he would stand by yeah, I think sure, it wouldn't sure. fit in with his general worldview. Sure. I'm if, not even familiar with those comments but... he, he said something it was at the height of the AIDS crisis and it was when he was bigging up Ronald Reagan and shit and he said that you don't want gay guys touching your potatoes and giving you AIDS or something crazy it was a really bad thing but crazy said, yeah. yeah well it's just ignorant isn't it? yeah that he was... lives on a farm and doesn't <laughs> care about fucking you know and that society. was when he was purposefully trying to be an obnoxious reactionary right. yeah. to yeah, yeah, seem yeah. as little like a hippie as possible yeah 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 um, that was a big aim yeah I guess you could also interpret that song as like you know America we got everything we got fascists we got communists we got <laughs> everything in between it's a beautiful country yeah and that's what makes it all up. 
and I'd say the big one for me in terms of forthcoming Shaky Pictures Productions is Alchemy. I want to see. Is that the trans one? No, that's the document of the 2012-13 Crazy Horse oh, cool. Tour. Okay, yeah, yeah, Apparently, yeah. that's got deep cuts in it, like Danger Bird, Surfer Joe, and Mo, Surfer Mo and Joe. That song is sick. Surfer man. Joe and Movisley. That's What's that it. on? It's on Reactor. Yeah, it's on Reactor. Yeah, yeah. Crap yeah. album. Yeah, but that song's really cool. There's man. some good tunes yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, Opera yeah. Star, I quite like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the one he was making when he was just looking after Ben. Like exactly. Yeah, he, his mind wasn't really there, mm. and Crazy Horse just sound weirdly kind of stiff on it. Mm. I guess that's the Neil Young film. That's pretty much Neil as a director. <laughs> there's all these little things we couldn't possibly cover everything because there's stuff like when he put out Americana. Mm. There was a little film to accompany that which was called it was like a short a, a silent film style black and white oh thing. it's called like out in the country or something like that or a trip like, to the museum a was trip it? to the museum yeah and... did you watch that at the no time? I was just looking at his IMDB I was like oh what are these yeah, ones it, that I can't watch <laughs> it was one I remember it just being on his YouTube channel right, at okay. the time there's a lot of little things like that like there's a shorter Lenoir's film as mm. well which is just him performing the album mm. and so on I think most of his albums actually have a kind of like video element mm -hmm. but most of his recent albums where you can like just watch him record the album or something gotta boost that content man you know yeah. you can't just make music these days yeah. <laughs> and yeah I think that's basically the Neil Young filmography so in the 1980s the great filmmaker Hal Ashby who did awesome films like the kind of class and race conscious 1970 movie The Landlord. Of course, he did Being There and Harold and Maud, two you know, enormous cult movies. Oh, and The Last Detail with Jack Nicholson, which is good and had that terrible sequel that Richard Linklater made. And Bound for Glory, his biopic of Woody Guthrie, which manages to portray Woody Guthrie as a pretty good communist without, I think ever saying the word communist one single time but yeah by 1980s despite having done being there in 79 Hal Ashby's career was really on the downturn so he did a pretty mediocre concert film with the Stones of their 81 tour which came out in 83 and then it was Neil's time to get the Hal Ashby treatment so they did Solo Trans and I think Solo Trans is like on YouTube in little bits so this kind of captures a transitional period for Neil between two of his most you know beloved and acclaimed eras the <laughs> electronic era of trans and the <laughs> rockabilly era of everybody's rocking Betty Lou got a new pair of shoes after trans he did trans tour with like all the stars fucking bruce palmer from the springfield joe lala which is stephen stills is congo's player nils lofgren ralph molina you know some some cool people ben keith obviously and then i guess it was a nightmare to put on because then neil did a solo trans tour which was like him with backing loops and so on him kind of programming the synths on stage and doing a beat and then uh, using the sin clavier i believe he'd also you know he'd not just put this to use on like trans type songs in fact i don't think there's any trans no, there's not a single trans song on the 11 track solo trans set but uh, there's i got a problem which wouldn't come out until Landing on Water, which is much cooler here. That's one of the programmed ones. Okay, the trans version of Mr. Soul. Also, Don't Be Denied, the great, great song of Time Fades Away, 
which here has some Synclavier embellishments. And then at the end, the Shocking Pinks come on, who are, you know, Neil's guys, you know, just like Ben Keefe, obviously, Tim Drummond, their wives singing backing vocals. And then they perform a little rockabilly set, which to their credit contains the best non-wandering song, which obviously written in 1970 off of Everybody's Rockin'. They do Paola Blues, and then they do two songs, Get Gone and Don't Take Your Love Away From Me, which are featured on a Lucky 13 compilation from 93, documenting Neil's divisive Geffen years. And finally, there is Do You Wanna Dance, which I think might be on Everybody's Rockin', I don't know. It's a, oh, it's like a tr- traditional rock and roll, rockabilly kind of song. And there's also, you know, pretty by the numbers, solo versions of Heart of Gold, Old Man, Helpless, and Ohio. Then after that, Hal Ashby's career really did go to shit. He directed a pilot for the late Graham Chapman of Monty Python in 1988 called Jake's Journey, which I would love to see, like Peter Cook's in it and shit. Fucking Alexi Sale, Griffiths Jones. Wow, I really want to see this. Rick Mail's in it, but I don't think it ever aired, and I don't think it's on the internet. So that's a fucking bummer, man. But yeah, Hal Ashby then died in 1988 just around the time for last detail and uh, the last detail jake's journey his last project rather the graham chapman thing so r.i.p to a real one there i love him as a songwriter as a musician even as an actor if we're talking about human highway yeah as a director i think he's sadly lacking i feel like now that i've seen his whole filmography <laughs> you know he's there with like bresson and tarkovsky and all the people who i've seen like everything by yeah and I don't think he's a very good filmmaker, to be honest. I think he's a man who makes home movies that has a lot of fans that he can get them to watch. Yeah, I think that's fair. But what I will say (laughs) is that the fact that he is so well documented Mm. on film Mm. gives his fans an access to him unlike many other Mm -hmm. artists of a similar stature. Mm who may be documented well, but there's not the same kind of, like, a film for, like, every project, basically. Right. With Neil, you not only get his vision, but because of his interest in film, he's super up for collaborating with Jarmusch or with right. Deme mm-hmm. or with more accomplished directors who mm. can make him an actual good film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad that there are those as opposed to him just... It's not all... I mean, if Bob Dylan just made... Well, he pretty much did just make Marston Anonymous and Ronaldo and Clara. And actually, <laughs> Marston Anonymous is actually directed by Larry Charles of, uh, of Borat Fame. Wow, wow, he's very nice. Yeah, you see, Bernard Shakey, at least he made these films. And I guess, you know, Neil Young is the greatest of all time, man. Yeah. Because he has the idea and he fucking does it you know? yeah exactly no matter he doesn't care what anyone else thinks he follows the music he doesn't care but we don't think his films are not <laughs> we don't think his films are good it's like really it's literally like he could not care less they're not for know. us no they're, they're not for you either <laughs> they're for him yeah, uh, uh, yeah and like literally you you do have to be insanely wealthy uh, in order to make a film just for you yeah. really but you know, if anyone's gonna be insanely wealthy, then I'd rather it be Neil Young than like a, some cunt, like <laughs> James Franco or someone like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or just some capitalist who's never created a fucking thing in his life, True. really. Or, or James Franco, yeah, sure. I just, <laughs> just like literally, I just let. I'd rather have 
you know, Neil just pouring all his money into some stupid project. That's that's what it's all about. Hoarding his money, yeah. investing it, and you know, trying to be sensible. And yeah. Fuck that, man. Neil. He's spending. <laughs> he's out here spending. He's got fucking. To the economy. He's got cars to make. Yeah. He's got films to make. Even sometimes some music. Even so, yeah. And he's got an archives project as well, which which is yeah, ever tantalising. I'm gonna subscribe. I'm gonna get yeah, involved. Got to be done. I'm glad we did this much research today. Right? Yeah, I'm very glad. Like, although I didn't do that much research, I just have a lot of facts about Neil Young in my head. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Bernard Shaky. Bernard Shaky, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, well, yeah, Bernard. Bernard is how they say it over in America, but yeah. I I can't bring myself to say Bernard. I can't believe I just said Bernard. Bernard. Very banal. I, one more thing, I just hate the shaky pictures I then every time I <laughs> I hate it Oh, it's terrible <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, big up Neil Young, the greatest Big up Jack, thanks very much for having me, it's been really fun Emmett, thank you for coming on Real Politics Shout out, Real Politics um, bun some zoots yeah let's do it if I may plug my podcast yes. if, you, if you made it to the <laughs> end go listen to Film Grays we've got a few episodes out there on SoundCloud and all that stuff more episodes coming come see Phil Graves when we're playing rock and roll music yeah uh, look out for Gelato stuff on Battle Me Radio and maybe Blonded stuff as well maybe Frank Ocean will do some cool shit maybe maybe, maybe a new album from Frank Ocean uh, maybe man I don't know I, I honestly don't know okay. I couldn't confirm or deny Okay, that, that's that's perfectly fine. That sounds promising, guys, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, this has been great. Love, thank you very much. Big up, Mr. Neil Young. Absolutely.
It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.